here it is. It's our first big Halloween show of the proper Halloween season. I know that we've already done one, but that doesn't count. From here on out, through the big day, through October 31st, every show that we do is Halloween-centric. We, we've technically done two. One I wasn't I wasn't invited to. <laughs> well, you know, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> But no, no, We're you're right. Talk. This is uh, we're gonna have this a talk is... after this show. Yeah. <laughs> but no, you're right. This is uh, the the first official Halloween show of the official Halloween season. So big applause for that. Big mm. applause. Big applause. This is uh, mm, mm-hmm. yes. This is good. This is we're Golf in our clubs. yes. We're in our feels right now. We're in our we're in our groove. Yes, we're we're in our element. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? Well, that's the thing. Um, I know that we love to talk. A lot of nostalgia, a lot of like 90s stuff, but sometimes we just got to get real down and dirty. We got to get personal on this show, okay? So today we're going to be talking about our first horror movies that we remember watching. And no, we're not talking about Goosebumps. We're not talking about Are You Afraid of the Dark? Those are a given, okay? Those were kid-centric. We're specifically talking about movies not made for kids right not made for kids so pretend that goosebumps are you afraid of the dark scary stories movies that that, you know they're off to the side they don't exist right now we're talking the nitty-gritty this the the first horror films that you can remember watching the ones that when you think horror films the ones that scared you to watch again when you were a kid changed you the ones that made you a man yeah the ones that molded you (laughs) (laughs) I was born in the darkness Molded by it (laughs) I was born looking at the VHS tapes back in the day (laughs) Hey, I bet none of you listening thought we were gonna just jump into a Bane impression on this Halloween episode But you're in for a lot of surprises, so Bane Bane likes old horror movies, (laughs) he's told me that before Yes, we've had personal conversations with Tom Hardy and Bane Mm -hmm. That's not a lie, that's real We're gonna do a little bit different this time Three picks each, six total, just to keep it nice, short, and sweet but also give you, you know, a little more in depth of how we really feel about each film. You know, this just gives us more time to talk a little more in depth of each pick. So without anything further, I believe you're up first this time, Derek. Oh, I am ready to knock this one out of the park, my friend. An idyllic summer afternoon. Is anybody home? Became a nightmare. of that day with one of the most bizarre crimes of American history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Rated R. All right. So I don't remember if I've mentioned this on the show before, Grimy. Forgive me if I have. But the first horror movie I ever remember sitting down and watching in full was the 2003 remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't think you mentioned that before. Okay. I couldn't remember if I did. I've told this story a lot of times in my life, so (laughs) if you've heard it before, forgive me, but uh, it's true. This was the first movie, first horror movie I ever remember sitting down and watching, and it's uh, a little bit of an interesting one in my opinion. So before I get into it, I guess I'll read off the summary. After picking up a traumatized young hitchhiker, 
Five friends find themselves stalked and hunted by a deformed chainsaw-wielding loon and his family of equally psychopathic killers. So obviously the chainsaw-wielding loon is none other than Leatherface. Leatherface, Ed Gein. So yeah, so this was the first of... Uh, quite a few remakes from the production company Platinum Dunes, which I don't know if you know, Michael Bay was involved with. So, Oh, so it's got yeah. bad news written all over it already. Well, that's what everybody <laughs> likes to think. That's the popular opinion on the internet because they've got... I want to say the Amityville Horror remake under their uh, under their belts. They were responsible for the Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street reboots. Hmm. I actually quite like the Friday the 13th one, but this particular remake for a while I think had a really bad reputation, which I don't understand. It might be because I'm a little biased because I have a special place in my heart considering this was the first real scary movie that I watched, but... I actually think it's kind of good and uh, shot really well, and the pace moves along pretty good. Yes, I did actually see this movie before I watched the original, the original. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and a lot of horror nerds have been uh, guffawing in my direction every time I've told them that, but what do you want me to do? I was born in 1993, it came out in 2003, I watched it around 2005, 2006, so I think I was 12 coming up on 13 when I would have watched this. So the story goes, I had, obviously, two sets of grandparents, and one on my mother's side, she was always into horror movies, like, as long as... I was alive. <laughs> I just love <laughs> that whole idea. Your grandmother's just like, here, here's your Texas Chainsaw Massacre tape. Let's watch it. I'll bake you some cookies. That's kind of how <laughs> it went. I was walking with her through Target one day. And at, at around this time, I had really started to become obsessed with the idea of watching horror movies, but was still a little bit too afraid to commit. And obviously, my parents were not a fan of the idea of me watching horror movies. Right. right. Mainly because... I was the biggest chicken growing up, really. I was such a scaredy cat. I was afraid of everything as Relatable. a Relatable. I think they thought me watching a horror movie just meant that they'd get a week of sleepless nights because I would be up with nightmares. <laughs> oh, yeah. Every time I close my eyes or shut my eyelids. Either way, at this point, I hadn't committed to watching a full horror movie, but we were walking through Target and I did see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre DVD and something in me clicked right then and there in that moment. I said, Grandma, can I get this movie? And she said, I'll buy it for you, but I don't know how your parents are going to feel about this. And I said, well, what if I stayed at your house and I watched it with you? And she said, we could do that. And I said, hmm, okay. So her and I conspired together so that I would sleep over her house and we would watch this movie. Her, myself, my grandfather, and my uncle who lived right down the street, but he was kind of the person who really got me into horror movies. Mm -hmm. So she buys me this DVD. We all sit down and I'm terrified just at the idea of what I'm about to see. I have no idea. My mind is going crazy with all, everything that I could see. And I'll tell you, this movie did not disappoint the first go around. There are some really, really nasty, gross, gnarly things in this movie. And boy, they stuck with me since my first watch. Oh, I'm sure. Now, what, you said this movie came out when? 2005? 2000. 
2003. 2003. And I picked up the DVD probably late 2005. Maybe it was even 2006 at this point. Okay. Now, I'm almost positive I did see this remake. Now, at one point in the movie, is there a guy being hung on a hook? I am very glad that you bring that up because uh, that gives me an opportunity to introduce a little segment for this show that we've decided on called The Gnarliest Movie Moment, (laughs) where we pick out some of the gnarliest things that happened in each one of these movies that left a really big impression on us. So, for this movie... My gnarliest moment was exactly what you mentioned. So the character Andy is running through a field of white sheets. So they've got clotheslines hung up and all these white bed sheets spread out. Kind of reminds me of the original Halloween, the Michael yeah, Myers yeah. scene. Yep. Turned up to 11. So he's running away from Leatherface and from the house to try to get away to get to safety. And like an idiot, he goes through this field of white sheets where he has no idea what's around him has no vision can't see leatherface comes out of nowhere with his chainsaw chops the guy's leg clean <laughs> off right at the knee yep <laughs> and my little uh 12 or 13 year old brain was like oh my god what did i just see <laughs> so immediately i'm just disgusted i'm horrified i my brain is tricking me into thinking that it's real i'm sitting here going how is this guy going to get around for the rest of his life? Right. That's really going to affect him. Yeah. <laughs> Not thinking that, oh, he might be dead after this, right? <laughs> so Leatherface does, like you said, drag him down to his workshop. He picks the guy up and hangs him by a meat hook right through his spine. Yeah. And then the most disgusting and disturbing thing that happens, in my opinion, aside from being hung up by a meat hook and getting your leg amputated... <laughs> Is he actually grabs a handful of salt, Leatherface, and jams it right into the guy's freshly amputated leg, to which he screams, because of course he would. It's coarse salt, it's burning, Mm -hmm. but I believe he does that as some sort of a way to preserve and sterilize the amputation so he doesn't die right away. I don't know, but one of the most hardcore, nasty things I have actually seen probably ever in my movie watching experience and that was right off the bat one of the first things that i've i I had seen yeah i'm glad you uh sparked that memory in my brain because i i I don't know why i always had this idea that there was like salt being shoved up into his wound and that that, i'm glad i wasn't just imagining that because that's practically burned into my memory i burned into mine too (laughs) yep absolutely so yeah no it happened um But long story short, so yeah, she did buy me the DVD. We all sat down. We watched it together. I slept over her house. And this is the best part about this story is I slept in her spare bedroom. She lived in a city downtown, so not a quiet place at all. Certainly nothing like uh, the rural Texas area where they're all at. And I had it running through my brain all night that Leatherface, because I was on the first floor, so the windows were street level, I thought that Leatherface was going to pop through my window with his chainsaw revving, and that would be it. I'd be done for. <laughs> Leatherface in the suburbs? Yeah, exactly. Leatherface in the city. <laughs> yeah. Le- Leatherface takes Manhattan. Oh my god, I'd love to see that. 
truthfully let's get it going <laughs> he'd just be on a boat the whole time though and then the last 20 minutes in the movie he'll be actually in the city just he'll like he'll be in toronto yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with a bunch of people surrounding him that say a boot a boot hey boy hey what's that chainsaw boot <laughs> from the director of peewee's big adventure when two ghosts can't talk the living into leaving their house. What's the good of being a ghost if you can't frighten people away? They call the ghost... Beetlejuice! ...with the most... Yeah! Can you be scary? What do you think of this? This is amazing. Michael Keaton... ...is a ghost called Beetlejuice. And the ghost with the most, babe. Rated PG. Sneak preview Saturday, March 26th. All right, my first pick. It's going to seem kind of weird, I guess, for this, but it is one of the first ones I remember seeing. Uh, and it's not the most raw horror film, I guess. It's not the most scary, and it's borderline. <laughs> it's no Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, there's but. no gore or anything like that, but it's still something that is kind of freaky when it comes to like a five-year-old kid. And uh, it's Beetlejuice, the movie, you know, Tim Burton's classic Beetlejuice. I was probably about five years old when I watched this film. And the first time is definitely like a blur. I don't remember it right off the bat. I just remember the feelings that came with it and how like disturbing everything felt to me about this film. Obviously, it's fun. It has its fun moments. And the whole time I remember thinking like Beetlejuice is supposed to be the good guy. And at that point, I did still think that he was because he was this like comic relief of the film. If it didn't have Beetlejuice in it and him like being goofy, I don't know if I would have been able to keep my mind on the film, honestly. Well, I mean, the movie is named after the guy. So, of course, at five years old, you're going to think he's the good guy. Sure. The movie's named after him. Yep. And like it's something that we watched frequently. I remember it being like one of the big films from my childhood, like right next to Turtles and, you know, the Karate Kid and E.T., like all of my, my childhood favorites. This was one. Watching it now, I remember a lot of the ways that like the film affected me and it's like boggling how much it's changed me over the years, I guess, and how my feelings towards it has changed and how I'm just like now I'm like, yeah, this wasn't really all that bad. But like when I was a kid, man, it was fucked up. Um, the idea of death wasn't enough, you know, going to this like weird afterlife in between thing where you couldn't leave your house really scared me a lot. Like there's the scene where they do try to like leave the house and they're just outside in this weird desert area that uh, clearly they've never been in before. And there's nothing except sand and fucking sandworms like that was terrifying to me. Um, oh yeah. Well, here's the thing. You mentioned that it's not a straight horror movie and it's really more of a horror comedy and probably more of a comedy than a horror. Definitely. Yep. But you're five, dude. Like, <laughs> this, you know, okay, at 10, 11, I could be like, yeah, that's not very scary. Not they just got some. <laughs> no, five years old? Absolutely, mm-hmm. this is a horror movie. I totally, totally side with <laughs> you, and I agree. That's that's intense for a five-year-old. And, like, the uh, back to Beetlejuice being the good guy, we all got confused when the cartoon came out because he was a good guy. He was, like, Lydia's friend, but in, like the original movie he's trying to fuck her so like <laughs> yeah, he's trying to make so her weird. a child bride yeah basically you watch that you go wait a minute yeah. how did he go from being this weird guy this bill cosby to <laughs> <laughs> 
So anyways, that brings us to the gnarliest moment. Um, obviously, there's not too many gnarly ones in this movie, but what really topped it off for me was the part where they're talking about the death for the deceased, where, like at the end of the film, they're in uh, the couple is in their wedding attire, and they're like slowly deteriorating into less than death, basically. Uh, there's a spot in between the film where they're with this kind of creepy old man and they're walking through this kind of like hallway and they open a closet door and the couple is like, what's this? And the old man says, this is the lost souls room. And he says, this is where the death go to die. This is the death for the deceased. Basically it's worse than being dead. That hit me hard on the old noggin when I was five. (laughs) (laughs) Now I know I bring it up a lot, but Halloween Horror Nights, <laughs> oh, yeah. last last year they did a Beetlejuice house, mm-hmm. and I, I went into it thinking, as a 28-year-old, how can they make <laughs> Beetlejuice scary? Right. Like, I've seen it so many times, I don't understand, and clearly there is enough there because with all of the creepy character designs and the weird, unsettling set design, mm-hmm. walking through, all it took was them popping out from a corner here or there with all of these creepy designs to really kind of get under your skin. So it kind of made me view this movie in a new way that maybe I never had before because I saw it for the first time when I was older. So it didn't really affect me the way that it affected you. But walking through that haunted house kind of lets me see the movie through the eyes of five-year-old you. So I I totally get it. So yeah, Beetlejuice, not the scariest film, unless you're five years old and watching it for the first (laughs) time. (laughs) It might do some some things to you. In 1988, he startled us with a frightening vision. Then he was destroyed and left for dead. Now. Sorry, Jack. Back. You know, we haven't gotten a decent night's sleep since he got here. Child's Play 2. Starts Friday, November 9th at theaters everywhere. All right. Everybody who knows me probably could see this pick coming from like a mile away because all I do is talk about this movie and my love and my affinity for this movie. But the next movie I'm choosing is Child's Play 2 from 1990. Excellent pick, brother. A little synopsis for those of you who don't know. While Andy's mother is admitted to a psychiatric hospital, the young boy is placed in foster care, and Chucky, determined to claim Andy's soul, is not far behind. So I feel like I've told you this maybe offline, but it's still um, a great way to start this pick off. That same uncle that I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with has always been a really big movie collector. And anytime he's upgraded a movie, you know, from VHS to DVD or from DVD to Blu-ray, he either gives it to me or asks if I want the movie that he's upgrading. And right around the same time that I watched Texas Chainsaw, so probably about 12, he came over my house one day with three big boxes stuffed with VHS tapes. These weren't just any VHS tapes, Grimy. They were horror VHS tapes. So inside of these boxes, 
there was everything. The complete series of Friday the 13th, the complete series of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Halloween was in there, and of course, the Child's Play series was in there. Little did he know that he gave you a giant box of gold that you could probably retire on now. <laughs> yes, and like an idiot, around the time that Blu-rays were coming out, I decided I didn't need these VHS tapes anymore, so they all went to Savers. So somebody got a really, really good deal on all of these uh, complete collections of VHS sets, but either way, I made my way through a lot of these series. A Nightmare on Elm Street, I made my way through first, and before I got into any of the other ones, I jumped into Child's Play because I was always sort of really, really drawn to Chucky. There was something about a killer doll that always kind of I needed to lock in on and I needed to learn more about. So I watched the first one. I thought it was fine. I still think it was fine. By the time I got to Child's Play 2, there was something about that movie that just worked for me. And it's worked for me ever since. It's kind of a perfect sequel. Yeah, it is kind of the one I feel like set the franchise off. Like the first one was good, but then the second one just topped everything the first one did and went went harder and better. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the reason that it worked for me was because there was way more of an element of comedy in Child's Play 2 mm-hmm. than there was in the original. Right. Chucky really started becoming like Freddy in a sense, where he just started quipping with one-liners, and he was mean in the second movie. He yeah, was funny, yeah. but he was out for fucking blood. Right. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but com- coming into his character more, basically. Oh, absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, I've always really, really been attached to Child's Play 2, and I think it just hit me at the perfect time in my life when I watched it. Um, and it was really one of the, the first few horror movies that I watched, which is why it made its way on this list. Uh, I guess the gnarliest moment in Child's Play 2 is the brand new set of eyes scene where uh, a guy falls onto the assembly line at the doll factory and actually gets a set of doll's eyes shot through his own eye sockets, which was always really, really nasty to me. And maybe where my eye phobia started, because I do not like anything that has to do with eyes or teeth. (laughs) Uh, But while that might be the gnarliest moment, it's not actually my pick. So my pick from this movie is not really the gnarliest moment, but the most iconic and most memorable moment. And that's when we're in Andy's elementary school and the Mm. teacher goes to the closet only to find Chucky there. And Chucky ends up killing her with a ruler. (laughs) And like I said, he's just mean in this movie. And that was like the most mean-spirited kill I had seen uh, up to that point. And probably one of the most mean-spirited I've seen. Like, there's many ways to kill somebody. But with a ruler, man, that takes some time and some dedication. Yeah, how many other movies have killed people off with rulers? I don't think any. Probably Uh, not. I don't think any. I'm sure somebody will write in and tell us we're wrong there, but. <laughs> Touch of magic. Live forever! Are you okay, honey? It's a miracle! Damn! It's alive! Look at me! I'm soaking wet! 
So this one, I'm not sure if everyone's going to know. I'm learning that it's a lot more popular than what I previously believed, and that is Death Becomes Her. I fucking love that movie. <laughs> it's really... It's it's a good movie. It's uh, I feel like it's kind of an underdog one. Like it's not one that people are actively talking about all the time. And again, it's a bit of not really a horror film. It's more like a comedy than a horror. You're gonna notice really fast that my tastes for horror are always in like the horror comedy. Like my my favorite movie ever is like Killer Clowns from Outer Space and Nah Return of the Living Dead. Oh my god, I almost forgot it. Whew. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, a fun fact before you hop into it. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't this supposed to be a Tales from the Crypt movie that never actually panned out? You know, I did hear that, and that makes a lot of sense to me, but I'm not I'm not 100% sure about that. So don't quote us on it, but I could see it. I could completely see that. Feels like it's set up for something like that. Oh, yeah. I think it was that, The Frighteners, and From Dusk Till Dawn were all supposed to be, or maybe pitched as, Tales mm. from the Crypt movies. So I don't know huh. 100%, but... Another not-so-true fact. <laughs> Another not My not-so-true not fact true. of the day. <laughs> that might also uh, be true. <laughs> I love it. Love it. So Death Becomes Her. I watched this one a long time ago when I was very young, too. It's just another one of them films that we were allowed to watch when we were kids for some reason. I have no idea why. Uh, my family was really cool when it came to this stuff. So if you haven't watched this before, I just took this from online really quick. Death Becomes Her is a 1992 American satirical black comedy fantasy film starring Merle Streep and Goldie Hawn as rivals who fight for the affections of the same man, played by Bruce Willis, and drink a magic potion that promises eternal youth but causes unpleasant side effects. So, basically, two women, Madeline and Helen, fighting over this dude, Ernest, over seven years period of time, both competing to be more beautiful than the other, and both discover a woman with the answer to youth. Uh, this character played by Isabella Rossellini. I think her name is... Is it Ilsa? Or... I don't remember what her name is. No, no, that's from Frozen. You're thinking of Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Elsa. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, right. So, the yeah. Ice Queen, yeah. Yeah. So, anyhow, this youth potion makes them fit and young and beautiful, but comes with this horrible, absolutely fucking horrible twist. If your body dies, you'd stay alive and conscious. So, like, you're not a zombie, you're just a dead body, but still completely in there and conscious. Kind of just marinate on that for a little while. Uh, throughout <laughs> the movie, <laughs> there's a lot of, like mishaps that happen uh there the one dies what's her helen helen dies she goes to the doctor as she doesn't have a pulse she's cold she's you know her body temperature is really really low um they pronounce her dead they're like checking her heart she doesn't have a pulse and it freaks the doctors out and she's like i don't understand if i'm dead why am i alive she has no idea why and it turns out that this potion is just keeping her body animated basically very strange they're like the girls they're they're fighting over this guy kind of mainly just fighting each other just for the sake of fighting each other the guy nowadays he's like this drunkard who has like no career path anymore he's just kind of done with life um but he's 
what does he do? He's like a mortician. He like kind of pretties up the dead bodies before they go into the like funeral homes and stuff like that. He uses paint, like model paint and stuff for them. Later on, he actually paints them to make them look like they're still alive. It's really fucked up because they're both dead, which brings me... (laughs) To the gnarliest moments, there's at one point, one of them gets a hole blown right through her stomach, right through her torso, and you can see right through it. There's just like this really comedic like hole, like a, a perfect circular hole right <laughs> through her body. And at one point, the, the one lady is like, A walking lion, I can see right through you. <laughs> but it's very, very funny. Uh, it's goofy. Um, there's another point where one of them, their head gets spin completely around the other way and to fix it, she like flips it back the right way. It's, and you just hear this like just gut wrenching crunch noise. It's just absolutely disturbing and disgusting. Much like Beetlejuice, this traumatized me as a kid. Uh, the idea of dying and also not having your body let go from, you know, the physical world, I think that's pretty fucked up. Still actually haunts me to this day. I think that's a weird concept. And I think why I love a couple of the different movies that I do, like Return of the Living Dead kind of has the same concept. Dead, but not fully dead. Still there. Very weird. And, uh, now, the whole concept is just one that I, I stick to a lot. So, how old do you think you were when you saw this at the... Probably about the 20? same age as Beetlejuice, probably about five, six. Okay. Somewhere Watching around back there. back to back. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, absolutely. I could see how that would kind of traumatize you at, uh, you know, five, six years old. Yeah, but you know what? I always loved the actual potion, like that fucking purple elixir that, that Isabella is oh, holding. I want to drink it so badly. Are you kidding me? That was one thing. I was like, ooh, it's glowing and it's like gonna keep you alive forever it's like that's kind of neat <laughs> mm, it's like the forbidden kool-aid you know yeah same thing with the uh reanimator uh reanimator's liquid there it just oh, looks yeah. like a glow stick yeah oh, i could drink that mm-hmm. too you know yeah kids just, can relate oh yeah off topic another memorable bit is just isabella's character in general i used to have a huge crush on her in this movie and like seeing her <laughs> wow. basically naked the entire time was a big plus that was the most shocking thing to me when i watched this as an adult i was like oh wow she is just almost just butt naked all oh, the time they're the getting away film. with this right now Yep. yeah so if you haven't watched it before make sure you watch it and if you have watched it before, watch it again. And if you have watched it, make sure that you write in and tell us what you think about uh, Bruce Willis's mustache. <laughs> <laughs> From Artisan Entertainment, it began as a mystery. It became a phenomenon. And now it's as close as your remote control. For the first time on television, the Blair Witch Project comes to pay-per-view. Experience the movie critics call a groundbreaker in fright. An instant classic. I hear him downstairs! The Blair Witch Project, now on pay-per-view. Lights on, lights off. You decide how to watch it. All right, so the last movie that I want to focus on here was, again, not the first movie that I saw, but a very, very early on exposure. Uh, And I'm sure it was that way for a lot of us. A lot of us saw this movie probably right when it came out and when we were were young. Grimy, I know that you did. This was actually on both of our lists and I compromised and let Derek have it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I had it, but we're both going to be talking about it. So that's kind of a kind of fair. But 
Obviously, what I'm going to be bringing up is the Blair Witch Project from 1999. The original movie. Yeah, The original yeah. movie. Yep, not the second one. <laughs> not the second one. So, three film students vanish after traveling into a Maryland forest to film a documentary on the local Blair Witch legend, leaving only their footage behind. So, unless you've been living under a rock for the last 22 years. Right. The Blair Witch Project was a huge, huge deal. Huge deal. So, I didn't see Blair Witch right when it came out. 1999 would have put me in kindergarten. So, no. That's obviously a (laughs) no-go. But I am dipping back into this well of that box of VHS tapes that my uncle gave me. So, I think I had heard of the movie before because it was such a big deal. Like, you couldn't avoid it back then. It was just something that everybody talked about. Yeah, it was like Titanic and then Blair Witch Project. (laughs) Yes, exactly. In that order. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, I remember him giving me those boxes of tapes and I was making my way through some of the movies and then he came over one day and he actually pointed out Blair Witch and he goes, did you watch that one yet? I said... No. And he's like, well, that one's kind of crazy because when it came out, everybody thought that it was real. Yeah. Said, that was- I went to the theater and all of my friends went to the theater and we thought that this really happened to mm-hmm. real people. Yeah. That I was said. the thing. Like a lot of people, th- that was kind of how it was being given to us is like, this happened. Don't fucking go into whatever woods these kids went into because this shit will happen to you. And we- ate it right up and believed it exactly so everybody uh, or a lot of people were going into it thinking wow this is this is real this Mm -hmm. isn't i mean found footage wasn't really in the the discussion at that point there had been movies in the past that did the found footage thing cannibal holocaust is always the one that everybody talks about oh yeah it really wasn't a thing at this point so it was kind of a hard concept i feel like for most general audiences to wrap their mind around yeah so either way he points it out he says give that one a watch it it was really something so (laughs) i popped on the blair witch project again probably about 12 or 13 and boy did this movie not fucking work for me at that point (laughs) no it didn't work for you The problem was is that he told me it wasn't real before I watched it. I really, really wish that he had kept up that charade and told me that that really happened, mainly because my parents' house was in the middle of the woods. If he told me that, I would have been so uneasy walking outside at any point, day or night, because that movie would have messed me up. But I knew that it wasn't real going into it. I knew that it was fake. And really, if you're 13 years old, you're critical of everything. And if you know that this is fake, it's not scary to you. Did you have that same reaction when you watched this movie or did you, did it get under your skin? No. So this one, uh, I'm actually looking at a quote here right now from uh, a couple of the people that watched the movie first in a trailer. Uh, This is the movie that changed horror. I don't know if that to be true, um, but it is the first movie I saw that was horror horror and absolutely scared the fuck out of me um was under the impression it was real i was 10 in 1999 i watched it fresh when it came out on vhs i wasn't allowed in the theaters to see it because i was too young we watched it and uh yeah i was a sissy 
always had been at that point in time. Uh, I couldn't watch Congo without having like to sleep in my mom's room, let alone fucking Blair Witch Project. <laughs> Congo. So we're watching Blair Witch and you can hear like the screaming and stuff in the middle of the forest and it's dark and they start getting confused because they're trying to get out of the forest and they can't find their way out. And I mean, they do a really good job at making it seem like this is real found footage. Like there's nothing real fancy camera work or anything like that. It's literally like these three kids took their fucking recorders or whatever, you know, their tape recorders and are just filming this whole time. And the, the you know, the, the classic basement scene, you know, where he's in that mm-hmm. like area there and he's up in the corner. So my basement looks a lot like this one with obviously without the hand uh-huh. prints all over the place. Um, yeah. So I stayed out of the basement, uh, since I moved out of there, basically. <laughs> and that was just four <laughs> years ago. Uh, no, but seriously, I stayed out of the basement for a very long time. This movie traumatized me. But I was also like a huge fan of it at the same time. I had to know more. I would go online and look up like actual Blair Witch stories and stuff in the history of the Blair Witch and what actually happened. And um, So no, the uh, illusion of it being real was very much so there. It wasn't gone by any means. Uh, my mom did, however, later on tell me like, you know, this isn't real. This didn't actually happen. That was just something they played up on. I was like, yeah, but still I, I, it feels real up here in my head. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that you brought up that you needed to know more, that you needed to learn more because that is actually what's happened to me in the years since I watched the original movie. Okay. Uh, discounting Book of Shadows, that's its own thing. I yeah. don't really consider no. it to be, you know, part of the whole mythology. I'm not saying it's like horrible. It just the vibes of it don't really fit in with everything else in the world that they've built about no. Blair Witch. No, I agree. I also later on became obsessed with learning about the the mythology and the lore that they've built up about the Blair Witch. Uh, they had a few, uh, one was a blockbuster exclusive, like little yeah. fake mockumentaries yep. and deep dives into the, you know, the backstory of the witch and everything. Um, and I was actually a really, really big fan of that 2016 Blair Witch when mm-hmm. that came out. And okay. I know a lot of people didn't like it. I thought it was good. It really worked for me, um, especially at that point. I think I was at the the right age in the right frame of mind, knowing that this wasn't real, so I could accept it and and sort of appreciate it for what it was. And it got kind of creepy towards the end there. Um, gnarliest moment for the original Blair Witch, though. My note here is there isn't one, and that was the problem. <laughs> Now, as an adult, I get it. I understand what the gnarly moments would be. It's it's the creepy, you know, stick figures in the woods. It's the random sounds while you're yeah. alone and lost and, yep. and don't know where you're going. The big one for me is the uh, when they find the, the sack of, like, the, the body parts from the guy. The teeth, the eyeballs, and, like, just his, like, belongings, I guess. His physical yeah. belongings. That one did it for me. So, I, I say it. That there isn't one, not as an adult. I say it as a 13-year-old boy. 13-year-old kid, yeah. I'm just coming off of all of these other slasher movies that have actual gnarly moments. And if you really put yourself in the frame of mind uh, of a 13-year-old boy who knows that this is fake Mm -hmm. and it's incredibly slow 
and you don't see any gore. You never see the witch. The basement scene is not impactful for me. I remember right. running to Google after I saw it, and I'm like, what was that about? Why what is the guy just mean? standing in the corner? Yeah. What is this? Yep. So I guess what I'm trying to say is now I've matured and I get it. Mm-hmm. And I understand why it's so effective. And I've actually gone back and I think it plays very nicely with that 2016 movie. But when you're a 13-year-old kid and you're jaded, this movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. So I, I, just a little side thing here. I remember at what point I stopped thinking that it was scary. And there's okay. two two points here. One was when it was parodied in Scary Movie 1, where like okay. there's a running scene and the boogers are all like falling out on the camera. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. And two, when it was parodied for Scooby-Doo on Cartoon Network. The Scooby-Doo Project. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. I do remember the Scooby-Doo Dude, Project. So, so good. And I mean, like that was when Scooby-Doo just like came back out of nowhere. They did like the zombie island and the witch's ghost. And it was pitched for the witch's ghost, wasn't it? I'm sure that it was. But yeah, like like you said, Scooby-Doo is in like this huge renaissance at that point. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Uh, it, it just kind of made sense. And I mean, Scooby-Doo has always been about not so much parodying but um paying homage and tribute to all of the big uh monsters and horror lore and legends so it just kind of made sense that they did that Mm -hmm. shout out to valishard tapes by the way he actually put out an unofficial official release of the scooby-doo project not too long ago no shit wow and uh it desperately needed one because this is quickly not becoming lost media but not many people really talk about it because it was really just bumpers on cartoon network wasn't it it was yep just a a quick little bumper in between segments but effective and memorable yeah the king of bumpers basically (laughs) six friends were chosen to stay the night it's gonna be fun the audience will see only what you see in the house of the world's most notorious serial killer this friday the broadcast is live but the house what just happened is is All right, this last one. This one's kind of a doozy, so bear with us. There's a little franchise out there. You probably heard it before. The Halloween franchise. You heard of this? Oh, yeah. Just a little indie franchise. Just a, uh, just a you little know, franchise. Yeah. It's not yeah, too big. a little big. tiny one. Yeah, yeah. Not many people know about it. So, Halloween franchise. Michael Myers, everybody's fully aware. Uh, the one I'm going to mention is the first one I ever saw. Uh, my cousin, who actually passed away uh, a few years ago, she brought it to my, my attention. She was a big horror movie fanatic, and she brought this specific tape over. Halloween Resurrection. It's the oh. first in the franchise I ever saw, and it has stuck with me to this very day. Like, it's clearly not the best one. <laughs> Probably <laughs> down be- between that and H2O. I, I think those are the two that people don't care for the most. Um, yeah, it definitely it, it's down there in the ranking, but it's still one of my favorites because of this. So if you haven't watched it, I'm just stealing this offline. The original House of Horrors, the dilapidated home of infamous serial killer Michael Myers, has now become the set of a webcam reality show. But when the veteran slasher discovers that a group of university students has taken over his old killing grounds, 
he decides it's time to bring the blades out of retirement. So exactly like it says, a bunch of students, they're in this reality TV show. They were all handpicked to do this scary reality TV show for Halloween. They go into Michael Myers' old house where he killed, you know, his family and blah, blah, blah. Nothing about this movie matters more to me than the fact that Buster Rhymes is the producer of this reality TV show, and he kicks the shit out of Michael Myers, kung fu style, at the end of the movie. <laughs> kung fu style. <laughs> kung fu style. He, the whole time, he's watching, what is it, Chun-Li. He keeps calling him Chun-Li. Yeah, I'm going to go in back in my trailer and watch Chun-Li beat the shit out of these dudes. And he's just, wah, wah, you know, really getting into this whole kung fu thing and just karate, you know, kung fu kicking the fuck out of Michael Myers at the end. And it is hands down the most hilarious way that he goes down. Trick or treat, motherfucker. Yeah. You're looking like some chicken deep fried, motherfucker. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I love that Halloween Resurrection is your first introduction to the series because... We're all of an age where, no, obviously we're not going to have seen the original or even part four when it came out. Like, we're too young for that. So, yeah, our first exposure are going to be what everybody considers to be the worst entries in the franchise. But that's okay. We just have our own, like, special connection to them. So, yeah, they might be, quote unquote, bad movies, but, like. Not to us. We've got that nice little exposure. Like for me, my first Halloween movie that I ever saw was the Rob Zombie remake. My uncle took me to go see that in the theater. And I I like the Rob Zombie movie, like Mm -hmm. probably more than most people, because that was my first Michael Myers experience. Yeah, this this one very different from the rest, in my opinion. Uh, I think it was in 2002 this movie came out. Uh, something like that, somewhere early 2000s. So it's like right when reality TV was starting to be like the real hype. So it kind of fits with that time period. Like the whole time, what the kid Decker, I think his name is, he's like on the outside watching this girl that he's been texting or messaging or whatever through email. I can't remember. It was so long ago. (laughs) I am Yeah, but like, pretty much walking her through the house as he's watching it online or on TV or whatever. But yeah, I guess that brings us to the end here. The gnarliest moment. Um, Again, I don't think any of these kills were really anything substantial. I still stand by the, the weirdest and gnarliest thing to happen is uh, Kung Fu Buster Rhymes Pete, or, or Freddy, I'm sorry, his name is Freddy in the film, uh, beating the shit out of Michael Myers at the end, kicking him out the window. <laughs> Pretty serious shit. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get yeah, more serious than that, yeah, I guess. Yeah, M- Memorable, to say the least. Listen, if I may, I'm going to gush about this movie for Please just do. a little bit. Because Please this do. one gets unfairly maligned, in my opinion, okay? Now, you brought up H2O before this as uh, being not very well liked uh which i don't think is true i think it's kind of a 50 50 for a lot of people and i think the people who look favorably on h2o were probably again your age our age maybe a little bit older probably because that was their first exposure to halloween so 
I really don't think H2O is one of the better ones. It really no. just feels like Scream, but insert Michael Myers here kind of a deal. Yeah, kind of. Now, Resurrection. Oh, boy. I <laughs> do love me some Resurrection. <laughs> it's not technically one of the better movies in this franchise, but boy, it's one of the most fun movies in this franchise. Okay. Oh, yeah. They kept it interesting, to say the least. And... Ahead of its time, okay? Like, you mentioned it. So, no, it's not uh, an actual reality TV show. This is a web-based reality right. TV show. Right. They're using webcams in 2002 <laughs> yeah. to host a reality series or a, a reality event, I should say, one night in Michael Myers' house. Yeah. And they're springing all of these, like, little traps and gags to trick and scare people. And then Michael Myers just falls into it, like the real Michael Myers, and nobody realizes that it's him. Yeah. So he's actually yep. out there killing people online, on the internet, yeah. which to me is way ahead of its time. Like, webcams mm -hmm. weren't really that big of a thing yet, and live videos and, and live streaming really just didn't exist. So, right. super ahead of its time there. Mm -hmm. And uh, honestly, just, like, super funny. Just a yep. super funny movie. Um, and also, before you get, get further, I'm really glad that you brought up that, like, they didn't realize that Michael Myers was there. Um, there is like a part in the movie where someone else dresses up as him. And that was like the point of this show was like, he was supposed to be walking around and like scaring them. But then like, you know, these people are probably expecting that to happen. But then the real Michael Myers is there and he just starts obliterating these kids. So like, yeah, that to me, that kind of added to it. It's kind of funny. Absolutely. Like, yeah, it's funny, but it's also, I don't know that, that, what was it? The eighth or ninth movie in the series at that point? Oh, geez, like, I don't even know. I don't know, man. Like, obviously, it's not going to be one of the better ones, but it is one of the more interesting ones, and the concept yeah. certainly was interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, I will admit the way they kill off Lori and the way that they bring Michael Myers back was stupid in the beginning. Yeah. They, yep. they say that at the end of H2O, when he gets beheaded, it wasn't actually him. He, right. he manages to swap his costume onto, what was it, the driver of the ambulance? Yes. And yep. that's the guy who gets decapitated, mm -hmm. not Michael Myers, which, yeah, pretty stupid. Pretty pretty dumb way to fake out that <laughs> ending. Um, but what I will say, and I'll say the same of Halloween Kills, is that I like it because it's different it still does enough of what you expect michael myers and halloween to do while sort of reinventing itself and and doing something that's different and interesting which is why i like it it's not more of the same and everybody right. who sits here telling me that it's a horrible movie that there's no redeeming quality uh, I don't know. Watch it again. And if you don't get any joy out of Buster Rhymes kicking Michael Myers out of a window, <laughs> then you're a joyless person and we probably won't get along. <laughs> Trick or treat, motherfucker.
Well, Grimy, I think that this was a very fun episode to visit because we got to dig up some past traumas, you and I. (laughs) (laughs) And there's nothing more exciting than past trauma. (laughs) No, really. I mean, I love horror movies and it was just kind of fun revisiting when we got to watch our first ones because those are always the most special moments. You know, you don't get to watch your first horror movie uh, just any time. It only gets to happen, you know, a few times, obviously. So yep. very nostalgic digging that up and kind of funny to think back on how I reacted to some of these movies and seeing some of these movies like a horror classic, like the Blair Witch, thinking that it was complete <laughs> and utter garbage or <laughs> Texas Chainsaw 2003, thinking that uh, Leatherface was going to pop out in uh, in the middle of a city and, and burst through my window, <laughs> let alone anybody else's. <laughs> Absolutely. And you never know when Buster Rhymes is going to kick you through a window. You just... It could happen. That's a Tuesday <laughs> for me. You know, that's yeah, a Tuesday. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I think this was kind of a perfect episode to ease us into the thick of the Halloween season. Because what's a more perfect pairing than a horror movie in Halloween? Good point. Good point. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. I think uh, it's a, a show that we could probably revisit in the future. The first time we watched horror films in general. Uh, could make for interesting shows. So if you're interested Mm. in that, later on in the future, we'll probably have more of these. In any case, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, be sure to subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and on Instagram at Leftover Pizza Podcast. Uh, Check out the website. We have a website now, leftoverpizzaclub.com. You can... Buy some shit that we make on there. You can check out some past <laughs> articles that we've got up there. We've got some uh, formerly Dem Boys articles. Probably at this point, there are some leftover pizza articles. So uh, check out there if you're interested. If not, fine. You're, you're dead meat. <laughs> if not, fine. We don't care. But we're just going to hate you forever. Yeah. Uh, also, join the pizza club over on facebook or or even over on our instagram i just want to hear what everybody else's first horror movies were so i'm sure there'll be a post up and if not leave us a comment somewhere uh tell us what your first horror movie experiences were because i'd love to hear it i really would absolutely and with that we bid you farewell i am grimy and i am Derek. and you have just listened to another episode of the leftover pizza podcast trick or treat motherfucker Hey <laughs> Mikey, trick or treat, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, hey, you want to go watch Bones after this? Bones. Oh, the Snoop Dogg classic. Bones. <laughs> <laughs>